we have a video we're going to begin with here as you're getting ready, and I'm getting ready. Nope, before that. Lovers of the world unite Bound to creator's vision bright That even these are darkest nights Become the light, become the light Fashion all you can create That delights the one who incarnates Links himself to the same fate As we sleepers who must rise to wake Our hope beyond all hope did come To call us each and every one To the surface of our consciousness God dwells within and always has heart rings out we're still pursued by heaven's hound oh lover seek us till we're found our hope beyond all hope did come to call us each and every one to the surface of our consciousness Tomorrow's children seek our hearts Will they know who they really are? The center of a thousand stars And the breathers of the breath of God Our hope beyond all hope God. Isn't that a great line? Yes. That's who we are. We just take a breath in of the, the presence of the Spirit here this morning. We're breathers of the breath of God. You know, I recently read a book called uh, Where the Light Fell, which is a memoir written by Philip Yancey. That's Philip Yancey there. Uh, he's a pretty well-known Christian author. He's written 25 books, including Where Is God When It Hurts, uh, The Jesus I Never Knew, uh, What's So Amazing About Grace is one of his um, they're all great books to read, especially if you might find yourself in a place where you're kind of burned out by religion or uh, um, dealing maybe with really difficult challenges and you're wondering where God is in the midst of it all. 
uh, both of which I would emphasize can be normal experiences in our journey with Jesus, right? Really can. Well, having read Yancey's memoir, uh, I now understand how he was able to have such insight into the struggles of faith and write such life-giving books. Uh, it's because he lived what he wrote about. Uh, Yancey grew up in the Bible Belt in a really tough home environment uh, and in super legalistic fundamentalist churches where their teaching centered more on sin and guilt than, than anything, you know, judgment and condemna condemnation. Uh, he ended up going to Bible college uh, against his wishes, uh, and it was there that the hypocrisy and the racism and the lovelessness of the Christianity he had been taught and all the hurt and the disappointment he had experienced growing up just became too much for him. And while he stayed at the college, he stayed there as a renegade, he said, uh, hardened and cynical and faithless, uh, and just as judgmental now toward Christians as he had been before toward non-Christians. But he still pretended to go along with everything because he had to to stay in school. Until one Wednesday, uh, when he and three other guys were preparing to do their required weekly outreach at another college, something they had to do as part of their education. And they were supposed to be witnessing to the students at this other college, sharing Jesus with them. But Philip always spent their outreach time watching TV in the other college's student lounge because TV wasn't allowed at his college. So got a little TV time in there. And, and, and when the four students would meet to pray each week before going on the outreach, Yancey never prayed. But this time, to the other guy's surprise, he did pray. He started telling God how he knew he was supposed to care about all those students at the other college and whether or not they were saved, but he didn't. And he knew he was supposed to care about those students just like the good Samaritan in Jesus' parable cared about the wounded man on the side of the road. But he didn't. He didn't know if any of the Christian stuff was even real. And Yancey said right in the middle of that prayer, he suddenly had this image in his mind of himself being the beaten up, wounded man lying on the side of the road and Jesus was the Good Samaritan leaning over to help him. And in that moment, Yancey saw the depths of his own need for God's healing grace. And he experienced God's overwhelming love and willingness to pour that grace out on him. And that opened the door of his heart to take the risk of receiving God's love and really trusting God, maybe for the very first time, in his life. Well, today as we, uh, we continue our series called The Risk of Christmas, we're going to look at Joseph. Last week we had Mary, this week it's Joseph, and we're going to look at the risks that Joseph faced and see what those have to do with us trusting God. Are you ready? Yes. Let's pray. Come Holy Spirit and open our hearts, open our minds. Um, we open our lives to you, and uh, we just ask you to, to come and, and speak to us this morning through the scriptures, and we pray that in this we would maybe see you a little more clearly today, that we would see you as you really are, and uh, be able to grow in our trust in you. 
In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So this is Matthew's Gospel, chapter 1, and beginning in verse 18. It says, The birth of Jesus Christ came about this way. After his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, it was discovered, uh, after, it was discovered before they came together that she was pregnant from the Holy Spirit. So her husband Joseph, being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her publicly, decided to divorce her secretly. But after he had considered these things, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream saying, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife, because what has been conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. And she will give birth to a son, and you are to name him Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. Now all this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophets. See, the virgin will become pregnant and give birth to a son, and they will name him Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did as the Lord's angel had commanded him. He married her, but did not have sexual relations with her until she gave birth to a son, and he named him Jesus. Well, there's a phenomenon uh, known as the lullaby effect. It describes what happens when we are so familiar with a story that we no longer really pay attention to it. You know, we've heard it so many times. Uh, we don't notice what in reality might be strange or shocking in the story. Well, this passage is an easy passage for that to happen with. We're, I mean, we are so familiar with this story, aren't we? I mean, heard it forever. So as I was preparing this message, I tried to be aware of that and, and read the passage with my eyes open, looking for what seems strange or surprising, because those parts of the Bible that seem strange or surprising or shocking, if we're willing to notice it and admit it, or maybe they seem problematic in some way, those are often that way for a reason. They're meant to catch our attention. And they make us wrestle with the passage and engage with the passage in a way that opens our minds and our hearts to hearing what God wants to say to us through it. Well, now certainly the statement that Mary was pregnant by the Holy Spirit fits into that strange or shocking category, right? I mean, if we're not so used to hearing it, then we don't pay attention. I mean, that is just not normal. We are so used to hearing about the virgin birth of Jesus that it's easy to forget just how unbelievable that would have been. And to Jewish ears in the first century, it was blasphemous. They would have known the stories of pagan gods like Zeus behaving badly and impregnating human women, right? Uh, and that would have been their only frame of reference for something like this. And so any good Jew would have said, no, absolutely not. God is not like those pagan gods. Not to mention that the Jewish conception of God did not have any room at all in it for God becoming human like us. Certainly not for God suffering the indignity of spending nine months in a woman's womb and then being born as a helpless baby. 
So with all that in mind, what I found most shocking about this passage was the part about Joseph having a dream one night where this angel explains the whole virgin birth thing to him, and then Joseph wakes up and says, okay, I'm good with it now, right? <laughs> I mean, really? Just like that? I mean, this was a dream. Wouldn't you think he'd at least want to go talk it over with a rabbi or something? Uh, you know, wouldn't he wonder if maybe it was just some crazy anxiety-fueled dream or if you know, the goat meat he had for dinner was bad, something like that. But he didn't. Instead, when Joseph woke up, you know, so right away is what it's implying, right away with no hesitation, it says he did what the Lord's angel had commanded him. There was a lot of risk for Joseph in doing that. And we've talked about that other years here, other advents when we've been on this passage, about how Joseph risked his reputation. He risked losing friendships. He risked uh, family connections. He, he probably even risked losing business in his carpenter, carpentry business because if he stayed with Mary, everyone would assume he had fathered the child before the wedding. And that was not acceptable in that day at all. But this year, looking at it, I realized there was an even greater risk for Joseph. It was the risk of believing something outside the realm of accepted Jewish belief. Believing something about God outside the accepted realm of Jewish belief. That could have gotten him and Mary cast out of the Jewish community, barred from the temple, barred from the synagogue. And that would have been absolutely devastating in that culture, in that world. Hmm. In John 14, Jesus says, if you love me, you will keep my commands. And a few verses later, he says it again, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word. And it's easy to hear those verses as if they're saying, you'd better try really hard to obey me because otherwise it's proof that you don't love me. And we'll hear those verses that way if our understanding of God is that he is watching us to make sure we measure up, that we perform. And if that's our understanding of God, then our relationship, our relationship with him is going to be based largely on fear. You know, fear of judgment, fear of not doing enough, fear of not being enough. But I'm convinced that Jesus was saying, if you love me, if you center your life on loving me, if you focus your effort on loving me, if you make our relationship about loving me, then you're going to end up keeping my commandments. You know, I think when we talk about loving God, loving Jesus, what we're really talking about practically is trusting God, trusting Jesus. See, we love God by trusting God. It's not just about having warm, fuzzy feelings. Those come and go, right? It's trusting that our God is a good God who loves us and loves all of his creation. God made all things, and God gives us all things for our enjoyment. Did you know that's in the Bible? 
1 Timothy 6.17. God gives us all things for our enjoyment. Now, are there boundaries on how we're supposed to enjoy his gift of life? Well, absolutely. But the boundaries are there to guide us into life, not to keep us from enjoyment. God is at work in all things and through all things for our good. Loving God in practical terms is about trusting God. We love God by trusting God. Now, Abraham is such a great example of this for us. I, I love Abraham. He's one of my favorite guys in the world. Yeah, you read his story in Genesis. Abraham trusted God. He followed God. Now, he definitely was not always perfect, right? If you read the story, Abraham messed up now and then, sometimes in some pretty major ways, just like we do. But even when Abraham messed up, he trusted God to forgive him and still be with him and still be faithful to him and still lead him. And so Abraham spent his life trusting God. That's how he loved God. And as a result, Abraham fulfilled the purpose that God had for him. In other words, he kept God's commands, right? Fulfilled the purpose, kept his command. Kind of the same thing. And I think that's how Jesus is inviting us to live. When he says, if you love me, you'll keep my commands. Jesus is inviting us to trust him. We love God by trusting God. And Joseph is another great example of that for us. Tells us in in Matthew 119 that Joseph was a righteous man. Righteous. Great word. That doesn't just mean he was a good guy. Nor does it mean that he did everything right. A righteous person was someone who was devoted to living their life according to God's law in the scriptures. That's what the Jewish people meant by a righteous man. Which meant he, they had to spend time hearing the law taught and, and probably studying it themselves. And by law, they didn't just mean the rules that are found in the Old Testament. The law is the first five books of the Old Testament, the Torah, which tells us the story of God. And so a righteous person didn't merely follow the rules. They didn't just live according to the letter of the law as some of the Pharisees did. They lived according to the heart of the law, which is revealed in God's story. A righteous person was someone who would do justice and love mercy and walk humbly with his God, as the prophet Malachi would put it. Now, We really don't know much about Joseph. We're not told a lot about him, so I'm speculating here a bit, right? Just say that up front. You can take it, leave what I say. Um, But because Matthew tells us that Joseph was a righteous man, and because of his kindness and the mercy that he he showed to Mary, and, and because Joseph woke up from that dream and did what the angel had commanded him to do, I think Joseph must have been a man who spent time in the scriptures, hearing it taught each week in the synagogue, and then maybe reading it, if he could read, who knows, but certainly thinking about it, meditating on it throughout the week. Joseph was a man who knew the story of God, and through that story, he came to know the heart of God, and as a result, 
Joseph trusted God. And because he trusted God, he could recognize God when he spoke to him through an angel in a dream. He could recognize the voice of God in that. Even though the angel said things that Joseph would have never thought possible and many would have said were not even acceptable. Joseph could hear the voice of God. Joseph loved God. And so he listened to God. And he obeyed God, willing to risk everything because he trusted God. We love God by trusting God. Now this morning we lit the third candle uh, uh, in the Advent wreath here, the pink candle. And the pink candle is the candle of joy. Uh, When Philip Yancey had that experience of God which opened his eyes to the goodness and the grace of God, and it opened his heart to trust in God, that also set him on a path of joy. You know, not that he was giddy or smiling all the time after that in some kind of fake religious way, you know, like come to church on Sunday, all smiles, right? Yeah, not like that. But trusting that God had set him free to take the risk to pursue the life for which he was created to do the things that he loved to do, to enjoy the life that God had given him. And in all of that is found great joy. God wants you to live with that kind of joy. Did you know that? He wants you to live with that kind of joy, pursuing the things he has placed in your heart. And it all comes from trusting God, trusting in his goodness, trusting the story he has us in. It comes from trusting God. So this is my encouragement to you this Advent. Immerse yourself in God's story. Now this would be a good time to take a little extra time to read about Jesus in the Gospels. Because Jesus is the one who most clearly, honestly, shows us who God is like. Because he is God, fleshed out for us. So ask the Holy Spirit to speak to you as you read. Let the Spirit show you the goodness and the mercy of God in God's story. Invite Jesus to lead you into your next step. You know, just beyond your comfort level of taking the risk to trust God. In fact, why don't we listen to God for a minute for that, right? What is that next step, that next step into the risk of trusting God just beyond your comfort level right now. Please be quiet for a moment and listen. Holy Spirit, speak to us. That'd be a good question, though. Keep holding before God, you know, 
in the week ahead as you're reading the gospel. What are you calling me into? What are you inviting me into? You know, what risk do you want me to take in trusting you? Yeah. Amen?